Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. This episode is with Susan Kalechi Watson, who you may know from her amazing, amazing role on This Is Us, but she also made her Broadway debut back in 2005, and then her TV and film career just exploded from there. Uh, We actually get into why she went that route more than theater, because as we were talking, she was saying that she just can't let theater go. She always comes back. She's always doing as much theater as she can, and she's obviously on stage right now through September 18th in the Shakespeare in the Park comedy Merry Wives, but as she puts it, she just got more yeses than noes in the TV and film space, so that's where she went, and it's a great example of making the best of every opportunity that's presented to you, and she's a first-generation Jamaican. She has a great thought on how she feels responsible for maintaining the accurate representation of her culture, and we had a wonderful conversation about all of that. Make sure to find me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review before you start listening. And now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Susan Kalechi Watson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. One, two, three... My guest today is helping us feel great about live theater again. She may be best known for her role as Beth Pearson in This Is Us, but she made her Broadway debut in 2005 in A Naked Girl on the Apian Way before moving into an amazing TV and film career, including NCIS, Law & Order, The Good Wife, Louie, Veep, Billions, and The Blacklist, among many others. Additional off-Broadway credits include The Twelfth Night and A Raisin in the Sun. She starred as Andrea Vogel in the Fred Rogers biopic, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, alongside this little guy known as Tom Hanks. And she can now be seen in the amazing Shakespeare in the Park comedy, Merry Wives, playing now through September 18th, Susan Kalechi. Watson, welcome to the theater podcast. Wow, thank you, thank you. I need to walk around with you just wherever I go. <laughs> <laughs> you could get me a free cup of coffee or something. I mean, thank wait, wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. Do you notice how to pronounce your middle name? Give this lady a cup of coffee. You don't know what she's doing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So good to be here. Uh, thank you for joining us. I, I'm a big fan, and reviews for Merry Wives. Uh, are I don't normally talk about reviews, but they're great. You are getting so much praise for this role. 
Thank you. And and you are helping bring live theater back. And that's actually, I think, where we should start here because yeah. we're coming out of COVID. I put in air quotes because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> but it looks like theater is returning. It looks like Broadway's reopening. All these things are happening. And then you're in the midst uh, of this wonderful production uh, outside of Shakespeare in the Park. Uh, I guess, how are you feeling coming back into the scene because you're primarily TV and film in the first place, but also you're coming back into the theater scene after not having any theater. What is this going? What is this like for you? I it's the best feeling. It's it's I've done this now <laughs> with film, television, and now theater because last summer during the height of the pandemic, we shot a film based on Tanahasi Coates' book with HBO called Between the World and Me, and then um, I did a uh, TV show that I've been on for a while now, This Is Us. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first shows to come back, you know, after the pandemic, that was literally one of the first shows to come back. And now like, this is the first theater back. So I'm like, okay, I felt, I felt okay. I felt like, all right, I've, I've done this twice now. I think I know how to, you know, stay as safe as I can. And and I just, you know, New York is is my love. You know, it's it's, you know, He's my boyfriend. And so to be able to bring uh, theater back and having missed it so much, it's so much a part of my life. Um, just not just in acting, but like my, what I, it's like a hobby to go to the theater. It's, it's like what we do. It's part of the conversation of uh, being a New York artist and to have that completely be eliminated. Um, in a live, you know, in a live presence in the way that it was for the past, you know, for 15 and a half months, 16 months was crazy to me because I've said this before, but I'll say it again. It's like in that industry, it's like the show must go on. Like nothing, nothing stops theater, like nothing. I mean, like you could be on, you know, desk door and maybe you call your understudy. Like it's like, <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's, it's, it was very, um, you know, a strange place to be. Um, and every night we, we do this little opening to the show for those of you who's going to join us, who have already joined us, you've seen it. But there's this call and response section with the drummer comes out and does this whole thing. And then afterwards we say, you know, what's up, New York? We're so happy you're here as we usher in live theater back to New York City. And it gets this huge applause. And we're on stage cheering too. And it's amazing because you can feel the people in the crowd are just like, yes, this is my first theater, <laughs> you know, in a, in a year plus, this is their first theater. That's their first time coming back. And um, it just feels like a, amazing to be a part of. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, I went um, to the premiere of The Show Must Go On, that movie premiere inside The Majestic uh, uh -huh. recently. And it, mm -hmm. it was the first time, first time in, yeah, 16, 17, 18 months. I, f I don't even know how long it is anymore at this point that, I've set foot inside a real theater like this mm -hmm. and just, the, the, just that feeling and that energy. And, you know, you get that, that little smell, maybe it's a little bit musty, but it's <laughs> undeniably New York theater. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's the good stuff. That's the yeah. good must. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, being, being outside Mary wives, um, it's, I think it's kind of a different experience too, because I mean, you're outside anyway, and it's, it's, you're in the heat and whatnot, but mm -hmm. um, I think I would be more comfortable as an actor being outside, of course, in the midst right. of COVID and all this stuff, but I'm um, going inside is a different, a completely different animal. 
um, are, are do you have any I guess anxiety or or did you have any hesitation about kind of getting back into the into the swing of things um, and just being in front of all of these people that I mean now now right you know the mandate is you can't get in unless you're you're you prove that you're vaccinated but mm-hmm. I suspect when you were in, in talks to start joining the cast and even rehearsals maybe mm-hmm. that hadn't even come out yet right so. Yeah, Alan, the crazy thing is that when we were first starting, they only, we could, we started with the audience had to be only 428 people. So the capacity, just to give you an idea of that uh, theater, is about close to 1900. Mm. Okay, so four, less than a fourth, right? And we thought, you know, okay, at least we get that. Like, I remember thinking, all right, well, at least we get that. And and I was kind of sad about it because it was at the moment where things were opening back up. This is before the Delta variant and things were kind of opening back up. And mm-hmm. they were like, you could take off your mask. Everybody was getting vaccinated. And, um, and I kept thinking, man, I wish we could, like, open it up. You know what I mean? It's like there's, like, 1,500 more seats, you know. And then we got the news that it, they were going to fully open the theater and we could have at least 1,500 people in there. And I promise you, I ran across the rehearsal room floor. I did a full lap <laughs> because I was so excited because I just felt so excited for the show. And, you know, and at that stage, I didn't even know how I would, you know, I, I, I needed so much more rehearsal at that point. I, you know, I mean, I couldn't see the beginning from the end in terms of what my performance was going to be. But I felt so strongly about the show. I felt so strongly about the people in the room and what we were doing and the energy that we were bringing to it. I just wanted, I really wanted the opportunity to share it um, with as many people as we could. So I don't think I had the anxiety. I do all the things, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated. I do the masking. I do the sanitizing. I wipe things down. I'm not all up in people's faces. I still kind of distance. I'm not a big hugger anymore. I'm not so much on the handshakes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I come from like a very medically steeped family. My brother's a doctor of emergency <laughs> medicine. My mom's a nurse, um, you know, cousins and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of get firsthand information about this stuff and and have come really familiar with testing myself, you know, before people were testing themselves. I was testing myself. I had that kind of access. So I just um, didn't have necessarily the same anxiety um, about doing it that way. And we were outside. So I felt like this is great. And they, did, they have distance seating for people who haven't been vaccinated and, and everyone has to mask regardless of vaccination status. So, you know, they're doing the, really the best they can to make sure that this that this happens. And as we know in our show, it might happen anyway. But there's so many backup plans now that are in place because mm-hmm. COVID is such a real possibility that it's not necessarily knocking people off their feet anymore because they have a plan B in place if it does happen. And of course, we want everybody to be healthy and everybody to stay safe. So it's not taking it lightly, but it's finding a way through this that the show can once again still go on, you know. 
Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, too, I'm glad that you didn't have to open to, to 400 people because a comedy <laughs> in, in a space that big with that few people, that, right. that few number of people, that would have been, I, think, <laughs> I think that would have been more depressing to me right. than, than writing mean, about all this other stuff. On, every, on any given night, not everybody laughs, right? So there's going to be at least 400 people who did not laugh at that joke. Imagine <laughs> if it was like that set of 400 people. <laughs> like you got the one set that's right. like, mm-mm. <laughs> There's real one part, like, nah, we didn't get that one. It's like, damn. Yeah, so <laughs> I love it. And the show the show is different too. It's a it's a different take uh on the show. It's set in South Harlem. I'm right. gonna read the the bio the bio here. Set in yeah. South Harlem amidst a vibrant and eclectic community of West African immigrants, mm-hmm. Mary Wives is a New York story about the tricks and the of the heart performed in the heart of City's Central Park's magical Delacorte Theater. Yeah, a, a, a spinoff featuring the Bard's most beloved comic characters. Like, this is, it's set in Harlem. Shakespeare, yeah. set yeah. in Harlem. Yeah, right? Love it. Yeah, that sounds it's amazing. So cool. Yeah, it's on 116th Street, really, is where it's set. And the, the set actually um, is heavily influenced by a, um, a street in, on 116th Street. So a lot of the, the you know, my niece and nephew came, I'll tell you the most beautiful thing, uh, Jalen and John came and, they were like, they loved it. Auntie Sue, we love this. No, this was amazing. Like this was it, you know? And I thought, wow, my, my niece and nephew get to experience Shakespeare for the first time in a laundromat. Like the set, part of the set is in a laundromat, mm-hmm. you know, a hair braiding salon, like, you know, a, a doctor's, a doctor in Harlem's clinic. Like that's how they get to encounter Shakespeare with somebody riding across on a city bike. I was like, you know, you gotta love that. You gotta love the ability to adapt it to um, the times, which is how Shakespeare wrote. He wrote very much in the time, in the moment. And Jocelyn's beautiful, hysterical uh, adaptation does the same thing. I I love it because I, I sort of equate this, uh, the scenario to what Hamilton's doing for a lot of, a lot of, people who potentially wouldn't have ever gotten into theater or even mm-hmm. musical theater specifically, mm-hmm. right? So when you bring something as, I guess, reputationally stuffy as a Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. right? So you're mm-hmm. like, oh God, Shakespeare, I don't want to learn Shakespeare. But mm-hmm. then you set it, you reimagine it, set it in Harlem, like you said, set it in laundromat, you got your city bikes, you've got your 116th Street references. Mm-hmm. I think it makes theater and the arts so much more accessible to to people that uh, are, I guess, interesting, yeah. accessible and interesting to a group of people that may have never even given it a second thought, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that like that's the fun of theater? I feel like that's what theater does. It's like let's bring this this uh, moment in life that you may not normally access, or you may not have that much experience with. Let's let's just put it in front of you for a little while, and then ask you to like, what do you identify with? Like, what do you connect with? Like, you know, where does this speak to you? And then it's like that communal thing of like, oh, we're all in this together. Like we all have like something that ties us and and that we can feel like um, is similar in each other. And that's why we missed it so much because you, you know, you can, you do that the best in person, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of, um, it's such a communal thing. And I remember Sahim Ali, our, our, amazing director who um, put this whole thing together. This was his concept, his idea, brought these beautiful, generous people into this room. So, you know, he's like a really extraordinary leader. Um, He 
was, uh, he said, he was like, I just can't wait to hear people laugh all together. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we've been laughing alone, you know what I mean? Maybe one person next to you, whatever. But like the chorus of people laughing is going to be like something really cool. And that, that has been really cool. It's a shared journey. It's a shared emotional journey with strangers. That's what I, I say this so many times uh, in these episodes is, mm-hmm. is that I, I just love the emotional journey you go on with a room full of people you've never met. You're all in the same place. You're all focused and present, except for the one one or two people, you know, on their phones, but we don't care about them. Uh, but, but in the audience, we will destroy them. No. <laughs> we will destroy you. And the, so you're, you're, you're with this group of people that you laugh together, you cry together, you bond over this stuff. And I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a micro example, I think, of, you know, you always say like New, New York strong, right? But like New Yorkers yeah. all hate each other. New Yorkers can't stand each other. And then as soon as something <laughs> happens, it's like, oh, New York, everybody's got each other's back. Right. Because yeah. shared experience. Exactly. And that's what, that's what theater brings. And God, I missed it so much. I cannot yeah. wait for, for all this stuff to come back to. And and I can, I mean, I, I always ask uh, people like yourself who have a strong TV and film uh, a focus, you know, why do you keep coming back to theater? But I think I should stop asking that because <laughs> I, I know why, right? Yeah. Like you're, you can't, what we were just talking about, you can't beat this experience mm-hmm. of rehearsing and putting up a show and yeah. you're doing something once a night that will never ever be done exactly like that again. Right. Yeah, never with the same people exactly in that same way, timing again. I love that. It's like Snapchat or something. I don't know. It's just <laughs> you do it and it disappears. You know what I mean? Like I love that life. <laughs> right. Well, how do you how do you compare it then to like to This Is Us, right? So you've mm-hmm. been fortunate enough to be five seasons on this amazing show that mm-hmm. is deeply touching, deeply emotional. And, and the show, you know, the show is amazingly successful. A lot of people don't get that kind of success. They don't get to experience that. So you've been, uh, you know, successful on the TV side and you've done this great, you know, great movie stuff as well. You've worked with Tom Hanks, which I mean, who's that guy? He's going places. Keep your eye on him. (laughs) Um, work with Tom Hanks and then, but you come back to theater, right? And so I guess. And so did Tom Hanks. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what is it? What is it for you specifically that speaks to you that that keeps you coming back to this sort of thing? Mm. It's just one of my loves. I just love it. There's no real explanation or anything that I can point to. I just love it. Um, I love the work of it. I love the figuring out of it. I love that you really don't know. Even though this will piss me off at one point in rehearsal or another, like that I don't know how it's gonna like how my performance is going to turn, like I'm finding it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's, that's, that sounds so lovely when you first start out, you know, just find it, you know what I mean? And then you're into rehearsal, you're like, why ain't I found it yet? You know what I mean? Like, what, <laughs> what is this? You know, <laughs> can I still do this? You know, but all of that stuff is like such a, a great part of it. Um, oh God, I don't know. It's magic. I don't know something about it. It's like forever sprinkled with like some kind of, you know, pixie dust or, you know, it's just, it's a blessing to me. I, I honestly, I, um, I, I don't know how else to say it. And the funny thing is, I feel like, you know, God bless him. I feel like nobody was like calling me or ca- hiring me for theater. 
You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I kind of, mm-hmm. in a way, it's I just got more yeses in TV, you know, uh, in the beginning. It ju- I just did. And so I don't know, you know, what was the reasoning behind that, but that's just the way it was. And so people assume, like, maybe I didn't want to do it, or they assume that, you know, Hollywood sort of took over. But I think that was just an assumption. I, I've, I've always loved it and always want to do it and continue to want to do it. And, you know, this this summer... Uh, we've had so many different setbacks and obstacles. We've had a cast injury. We've had COVID, uh, a COVID case that sent mm-hmm. a few people home. Uh, we've had rain, like you would not believe, uh, throughout <laughs> a tech. We couldn't even finish tech. We had to keep teching into previews. You know, it was like we've had so many of these obstacles, and I was so tired. We all were because. We're working in 95 degree heat and then doing a show at night and sometimes postponing it because of the rain. And so we're doing it later at night. It's all these things. And I remember, you know, coming home, uh, visiting my parents and my brother's there and I'm beat down, you know, and I knew it, but I wanted to see everybody and say hi. And they were like, "Ooh, you look tired. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, I bet you won't do this again kind of thing. You won't, you know, and I said, no, I definitely will. You know what I mean? I can promise you I will. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm for sure I will. So like this tells you. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, actors, I'm speaking for myself, just a glutton for punishment. I, mm-hmm. I'm i in it. I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I cannot wait to get past the rehearsal or get into the, the routine so I can relax a little bit. And then when it all leaves, when it's all over, I, I just miss every single minute of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just want, I wanted to come back and it's, it's like, you got to feel the pain of the rehearsals and the tech and the postponements of the 95 degree heat. So then when it goes right, I feel like you have perspective on that much more. It feels mm-hmm. that much better. And it's that, that, what is it? Dopamine, it's serotonin, whatever case is going on in your brain, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that you just feel incredible because you've gone on a journey and made new friends and made people feel things and learn more about yourself. And it's yeah, live theater. <laughs> Full yeah. stop. Can't move <laughs> I agree. Listen, pot kettle, you know, choir preacher, whatever you want to say. I agree. Mm, I'm mm. with you on it. 150%. So you are first generation Jamaican, mm-hmm. born in Brooklyn. I'm in I'm in Borum Hill. Are you were you born close to me? No, I was born in East New York, uh, Brooklyn. Well, I'm from East New York, Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. uh, born in Coney Island, actually. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so you know all of that, and you know spent part of my life growing up uh, in Brooklyn and then Long Island, and then I moved back to Brooklyn and have been here. Um, pretty much ever since. I mean, I, I still, you know, shoot in LA and I spend time in LA or when I'm on location somewhere, I go and do that. Of course, I went away to college and all that kind of stuff. But Brooklyn has been my home base, you know, for 20 years. So, hmm. yeah, I was going to ask about that because This Is Us is is shot in LA. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I, I was thinking you were, you know, more New York based and more, I don't, there's something about when I was researching the things you did, I was, uh, things you did, I was like, yeah, this, this lady, she's definitely, she's, she's not leaving. You can't, you right. can't take the New York out of this one. <laughs> Absolutely. But your, yeah. your, your parents, um, so did they immigrated from Jamaica? Yeah, they did. And um, funny thing is that they actually have, have planned to go back um, and they were buying a house and uh, when my mom was pregnant with me, the, the, the plan was to go back 
They wow. actually, yeah. And I, I still, I don't quite get the story of why they stayed. I think I've asked that and it never quite seems clear. It always just kind of ended up like, I guess we just kind of ended up staying. But I, I feel like there was like a reason, because I know they were buying a house and all this kind of stuff. So my two older brothers are born in Jamaica. My, my, my younger brother and I are born here in Brooklyn. And so um, it's, it's very, um, you know, I always think like, I, you know, I could have been Jamaican born, um, but it just kind of turned out that way. So I'm first generation. Uh, I'm a first generation kid you know, first generation of the Americans, uh, to come. So, uh, it's a special thing though. It's a, it's so special. I love, you know, my, my homeland. I love being Jamaican. I really wouldn't pick any other ethnicity. I think it's so special. Um, but it, it does, um, also because I'm first generation, I know how important it is for people's culture to be reflected in a very kind of specific way and 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 for it to be really kind of taken care of like you know when you represent people you want to take care of that responsibility mm. and so it was i wouldn't say it's an added pressure i, don't, I wouldn't say it was a pressure uh, responsibility is a better word it felt like my responsibility for this to do that um being that i probably have relatives descended from nigeria because you know the Igbo tribe was very present in uh jamaica so um I'm sure if I did that research, I met my grandmother who was from, my great grandmother who was from Africa and I did not uh, remember where she's from or if I even specifically asked that because I met her so long ago. But um, but it was important to like, get, it's important to get all that stuff right. But because I'm from somewhere that is so specific and I've and I've had people try to, you know, represent that and, and, and not, not do the best job of it, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, it felt like mm -hmm. I, I, you know, it, it, it brought me closer to that, to that, um, to the Nigerian culture because I wanted to make sure I, I at least was getting some of the stuff right. You know, is isn't um, your character in Mary Wives? That's the Nigerian. She has to have an, a Nigerian accent, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I was, I heard you talking about something um, in another interview, uh, specifically about representing the culture and representing the, the accent and not getting it wrong because so many people just do these things so poorly. <laughs> and and, and what was the story that you sent your script to some friends with a Nigerian accent? You were like, read this I for did. me. I did. I sure did. I sent it to Kay Oyegun, who's uh, one of the writers on This Is Us. And I sent it to Yvonne Orji, who you may know from Insecure, her stand-up comedy. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I was like, hey, y'all, um, I'm doing this thing. And they're like, oh, okay, go. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to send you this script. Can you read it and, rec and record and send it back to me? And they're like, wait, how much script we read? <laughs> you know, and I said, you know, I gave it to them, you know, and, um, they, they were so good about it. Like they read it and they, they, they would reread it. They give a little different take on it. They take a, you know, breath. And so everything that they read for me, they read a few times, you know, and there is still this line reading that I've taken from exactly the way that Kay said it. And it just says, uh, she also gave me this thing, Oya, which they say is like a, I don't know if you call it colloquialism or whatever. And um, when I brought that to rehearsal, Banga, Akinabe, who plays um, Mr. Ford, my husband, mm -hmm. he said, when I said, Oya, 
he said he couldn't believe it. He was like, oh my gosh, how did she know that? That's not in the script. You know what I mean? So they, they kind of gave me a cheat sheet. You know, I went in there like extra Nigerian, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, there's this line that Kay said, it's like, give me, what she said, give me some counsel, you know? And I said that crazy right now because I need to rev up, but it was the way, the rhythm of it. And I kept the rhythm of it. And um, things like that gave me that I, I kept the rhythm of because I could hear that was their their natural rhythm. And then we had uh, Donna Lean, who was uh, the vocal, I'm sorry, the um, dialect coach for our show. And she's fantastic. She, she started with me early before we started rehearsals. She said, one day you won't need me anymore. And I, and I never thought that day would come, but it came. So that was a testimony to everybody who helped me and, and watching a million Nigerian movies a night I was Nollywooded out. <laughs> I was telling Jocelyn about movies they hadn't heard of. I was like, listen, yeah, every every night for about a month and a half, the only thing I watched was something Nigerian. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. so good. Yeah. I, love, I love that you committed yourself to that because you could have easily just been like, all right, I got the part. Obviously, you're going to give me a dialect coach <laughs> uh-huh. and I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But you took it you took it one step further and just committed yourself more than I think maybe a lot of people would. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. You want to represent this culture because, again, going back to being first-generation Nigerian, you, mm-hmm. you don't want to lose – I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, but it, like you don't want to lose that Jamaican culture here in the U.S., right? Yeah, well, I, I you know, I, for all intents and purposes, grew up Jamaican. You know, like in my household, I don't think there's – except that we were American, you know, we we're in America – but um, my great grandmother also was very instrumental in raising me as well. So I had my mom, my dad, and my great grandmother, and um, who also raised my mom, you know. And so all I heard was a Jamaican dialect. All I heard was patois or a Jamaican dialect or a Jamaican accent. Um, you know, the music we listened to was uh, of Jamaican West Indian descent. Part of my family is Trinidadian, so it was either you know, reggae, soca, um, calypso type situation. When we did listen to American music, it was probably like, you know, um, whatever was kind of popping in the, in the 80s. But I didn't listen to like a lot of soul music, I guess, you know, until mm-hmm. later in college when I got around like Americans who, if you were doing a throwback, then you listen to this music. And I, I'll never forget being at college and everybody was, you know, dancing and singing to like, throwback music and I didn't know the songs. I didn't know, and everybody did. And and it was like, they were so like, the energy was so hyped around it. And I was like, wow, I gotta learn this quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I think the the relevance um, of, of representing it the best that we can is that, you know, it, it kind of makes it last longer in a way. Like if we get super unspecific about it so quick, 
then it gets really watered down and you never really encounter the experience of that, that culture. You never really hmm. encounter it if we keep watering it down, you know, and especially if you're not, you know, directly from there, it's like, you kind of have to do your due diligence and make sure, you know, um, you're giving it the best that you got because some people that might be their only encounter with it, you know, for those that it is their culture, you want to make sure they come away and feel like, yes, that was my culture being represented. I'm, you're not just pimping my name and saying, this is going to be something Nigerian and just to, you know, mm-hmm. have a hook, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to really go there because the purpose is so that people will encounter it. And, and there might be a generosity of spirit the next time they, you know, meet somebody from that culture, they might feel a little bit more connected. We all feel a little bit more connected uh, when we do that. And, and we, there's accuracy to it and people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And when, at what point of your life then did, did theater come into play, right? When did you start having the desire to, to perform? I've lived my whole life on stage. I to be one of those divas. I always want to be one of those. I'm not that, trust me. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm the least dramatic person you want to know in life. I'm just not. I think I actually really do save it all for this stage and not the most, I don't know, emotionally expressive. I don't, I don't know that I'm those things, you know? And so maybe theater is, is like my expression and my way of kind of encountering that in a, in a more visceral way. Um, but I started doing it in high school, I want to say. And then in, when I went to college, I started, um, I thought I was going to be an English major. And then I, I quickly switched to, <laughs> to acting cause I was so depressed. You know, I was like, Oh my God, yeah, I'm too depressed. You know what I mean? Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I switched over to, to being an acting major and, and that's when it started. And even then you kind of had to wait to be on the stage. If you're a freshman, you weren't able to take stage. So we created our own productions and things like that to, to, um, to fulfill our, fill our longing to be on stage. But, um, so I've, I've always trained in theater. I trained in theater way more than anything. I don't think I, I trained in film or TV, I, like f- any formal training, but, mm-hmm. um, all my formal training came in theater. Wow. So you went to college. That's that's interesting to me that you went to college as an English major. And then you said your freshman year. So it was right away mm-hmm. that, that you decided that English may being an English it major wasn't working wasn't, out. It wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't working you, out. Would you think, do you think you were, you were actually clinically depressed at that time or like just kind of using that hyperbole is, as like I, no, I did, I so, something wasn't right. I don't, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't know what my, uh, you know, what the chemical balance was at that time, but I was really like, I was in the bed. I didn't want to come out. You know mm. what I mean? I was, yeah, yeah. I can remember that. I can remember feeling really down and like, this isn't right. And to this day, I encourage young people. I encourage my nieces, my nephews, like make sure if you're going to dedicate time to something, it's something that you want to do. And if you feel like it's not, it's okay to change it. You know, I, I, I really try to alleviate people that pressure because it, it you know, it's crazy, you know, to tell your parents like, okay, I'm being, uh, you know, uh, uh, acting major and by the way my minor is like dance you know what I mean I'm saying it's like it's like Jamaican you know what I mean like I'm parents of, I'm the daughter of immigrants like no you know what I'm saying like what, what is that gonna do but like you know but bless my parents like once, once they saw me do it they were like oh yeah go ahead and do that there is something about doing the, the thing that you love that you know all that 
serotonin and stuff that you were talking about and all the things that make us feel good mm-hmm. that you and I are not going to quote because we're not the scientists. We're going to leave that to the science. <laughs> you know, we're the actors. But like, it's like, that's those, the endorphins and all that, that that's the stuff that's being given off. And it, it makes a difference in what you do. And if you're going to dedicate time to something, even if it stresses you, it can still be a joy. It can still be something that you, that you look forward to doing. It's not like I do this without stress. The rehearsal yeah. process, the tech process. You're saying you, you were doing tech into previews for Mary Wise. Way like into that, previews. Yeah. That's yeah. stressful. But I'm sure you still just enjoyed the shit out of it and mm-hmm. and looked forward to it because it's it makes us oh god, it, it makes us whole. I think there are so many so many ways to get lost and distracted, especially mm-hmm. now when you're just like walking around looking down at you know this little computer in your pocket, right? Exactly. And and just to, to put it all away and experience one of the oldest traditions that m- truly makes us human as mm-hmm. as a species. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's that is that is something to me that's immeasurable. You cannot beat this experience. I mean, our, our brains are are evolved to tell stories. That's who look, we are as, as a herd. I'll tell you what, Alan, if you said that before the pandemic, people would have thought you were talking in hyperbole, right? But, <laughs> right? But now the pandemic happened and it's actually, like, it's a true fact. Like, when we mm-hmm. say that, we weren't lying, you know? It's like life without the arts is not living. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You gotta mm-hmm. have that there. You have to have that communal experience there. It's, I mean, what did everybody do? Our essential workers? Absolutely. You know, we needed groceries. We needed groceries. We needed toilet paper and we needed Netflix. You tell me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You right, tell me right. that we, we weren't on the right. essential list. I feel like I was on the essential list, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think that that's, we can deny, deny that anymore. When you know, you it's have, a really a real part of it. You have an industry. I agree with you. You have an industry, especially in, in New York city, that is a multi-billion with a B dollar industry mm-hmm. to, to bring in tourists and for the, the theater and the hotels and the shows and the carriage rides and the museums mm-hmm. and everything <laughs> people do when they come in just for theater, right? They're doing right. other things while they're here and they're eating and they're sleeping and mm-hmm. whatever that, that, that is, I was going to say it's an immeasurable sort of thing, but that's a lie. It is definitely measurable because, and because literally we're like billions with a B. Right. It's a measurable industry that people have to have. People come from all over the world to come to the Mecca of theater, which is mm-hmm. New York City. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you just have these actors getting blamed. I saw so many threads on Twitter, the one of the most heinous places on, on the planet. Um, <laughs> and yes, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is just like, uh, I saw someone going after an actor, a Broadway actor friend of mine that was, that was saying something about, why can't you guys just go back to work? You're choosing not to work. You guys are all just lazy actors. Oof. Oof. And just mean and sp- Spiteful wow. kind of stuff that mm-hmm. is complete lack of understanding of mm-hmm. how little choice actors actually get about how and when they work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Ay, ay, ay. Wow. Oh. Shots are fired. You know what I mean? On, on theater. <laughs> and, you know, on Twitter. And you can't, you know, when people don't understand 
things, you know, and don't understand the true nature of things. Like I told you, I'm not big into the drama off stage. So, you know, for mm-hmm. me, I, I'd have had to be like, delete, I'm, I'm moving on. <laughs> but like, but it's because there's a certain amount of, you can tell that person just doesn't know. They just don't know. They don't have mm-hmm. the not, or they're trying to start something. You never know. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that people really don't like, they look at it like, but you guys are just having fun. Like your job is fun. You know what I mean? And, and people don't know, know it's work. It's a, it's a real job. It's a whole experience. Um, you have to get a job, you know, you have to train times, for the job. You have to train for a job and you have to get a job more times in life than any other person in this life. You know what I mean? Most people mm-hmm. get a job and they keep a job for five years or for 10 years. People retire after 35 years from that one job. You know what I mean? Like we got to get a job for theater folks. Every couple months, you got to get a job. Are you you know looking for saying? your next job while you're in your current job. While you're in your current job. So there should be an award for that. Mr. Twitter man, wherever he's at. <laughs> yeah, you hear that, Mr. Twitter man? Right. You're, seriously. No, it's funny. It, it, and yeah, you just assume, these people just assume, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to show up and I'm do my thing. And, mm-hmm. and oh, I just choose not to work because of pandemic. You think Olympians just show up <laughs> and they're like, I'm going to run fast today. Right, right. Like you're doing nothing in downtime. You think actors are just choosing, yeah, health insurance in a pandemic? Meh. Yeah, I don't need yeah. it. You know, yeah. no, we have to, they have to work for health insurance, good sir. You know what I'm saying? And like all these things that come along with it um, are there. So like I said, you know, some people just, they don't know, man. They don't know. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up with the three standard closing questions that okay. I ask everyone on these episodes. Mm-hmm. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? Wow, what motivates me? In, in what, like just period in life? Yeah, or like it, for, for like, acting. Um, no, in life, like why do you why do you wake up in the morning? Oh, oh, deep philosophy. Okay, let's <laughs> see. <laughs> I have not really. So I think the chance to another another shot. I think hope hope motivates me to tell you the truth. Ooh, I like hope. that. You know what I, I like mean? That. Yeah, I'm a very spiritual person, so like you know, I get my my prayer on my you know meditation and. And all that uh, stuff. And I make sure I try to fill myself with the good things in the morning. But the hope of something, another possibility of something else wonderful happening or something else that is part of my purpose happening, that motivates me. Oh, yeah. The the excitement of the unknown. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Be easy on yourself. Be easy on yourself and do it. Do what makes you feel joy. Like discover your superpower. Like what is the thing that when you are in that sweet spot, you, you, you're you just, you're, you're in your groove. Like for me, it's when I have joy, right? Hmm. Um, I've seen other people, you know, it can be different from one person to the next. But um, discover your superpower and lean into it and relish it. Know that it's special. Know that it's unique. Know that, you know. The world needs whatever you're trying to give. What is your and superpower? Mine is joy. I, mine is joy. It's bringing joy. No, not bringing it. It's when I have it, there is a different energy. So it's sort of that thing that you have that gives you the strength to do the thing that you do in the most optimal way, in mm. your most unique, special way. 
And for me, when I inhabit joy on the inside, the thing that I'm doing comes out in only a way that I feel that I can do it. That feels like the energy behind it is the best energy I could give it. And so for, for you know, from person to person, that could be something different. But mm-hmm. I would just say to people, like, especially if you're young, discover what it is so that you can carry it with you into a room and know wherever you go, you can carry that thing with you. I love that. So the last question, and this is super hard. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? And is this one play? Is anything, you anything you would like. Oh, wow. One? Oh, one gosh. show, one show. You're stuck on a desert island with power and a DVD player. What right. are you watching? Oh, man. Well, I know it's going to be one of these Eddie Murphy films. Um, <laughs> it's, it's probably, it's either going to be Boomerang or Coming to America. I was going to say, uh, Coming to America is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. The first yeah, one. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be one of yeah. those. They're, they're yeah, just yeah. fantastic classics. I'm mm, going to go like with it. a classic and say that. Yes. I like it. All mm-hmm. right. So everyone check the show notes for the link to get tickets and more information for Merry Wives. And then where else can we connect with you? Where can we find you on social media? Okay. At, on Twitter, which is our favorite, right, Alan? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be at Eskelechi Watson. Eskelechi. K-E-L-E-C-H-I Watson. And on Instagram, I'm Susan Kelechi Watson. And I am Susan Kelechi Watson on Facebook. Wonderful. And I am online at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. And thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Susan, thank you most of all. I have really enjoyed this chat. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.